Parents, welcome to another episode of The Journey, a podcast intended to educate, equip, and entertain you as we talk about important issues facing our families. PCA is a Christ-centered, biblically-based, and family-focused community of committed believers doing life together. We hope the information you hear on this podcast informs and inspires you to be a better parent. Welcome to The Journey. Hey parents, welcome back to The Journey. This is Dan Panetti. I'm down at the Discovery Center, um, which is uh, part of uh, ICR, Institute for Creation Research. Um, they're incredible um, just facility that has so many incredible things that our parents want to know about. Um, before we dive in and I introduce you to our guests, though, I want to uh, remind our parents that Easter is coming up pretty soon. Um, Easter is a little bit quicker this year, um, March 31st, and there's some great resources that I want our parents to know about. Um, there's going to be a, a fantastic Easter devotional um, that uh, uh, Preston Wood has developed, and I'm going to put that in the show notes. It's also going to be in, uh, when you guys look at the Minute with Mike, uh, there's a Panetti parcel, parent parcel um, that's uh, a part of that. If you scroll all the way down on the Minute with Mike, um, and I try to include some great resources in there for you as a parent. Um, and so there's uh, usually things that are related to the show that we're talking about. Um, but uh, that uh, Easter devotional is going to be in there for the next couple of weeks, um, because it's a five-week devotional, and we're um, you know, five or six, seven, eight weeks out from uh, from Easter happening. So you guys want to get started on that with your family's uh, ASAP. Um, but we're down here at the Discovery Institute talking to Dr. Tim Clary. Tim, mm-hmm. welcome to the to the podcast here with our parents. Appreciate a, appreciate you taking some time. No, it's a pleasure. I uh, I have a book that my dad gave me. Um, it's mm-hmm. called um, Studies in the Bible and Science. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is uh, Henry M. Morris, mm-hmm. uh, who's one of the founders of ICR, uh, way back in the day. Um, I got to know um, Henry Morris the uh, Third mm-hmm. when they um, you guys went out to California for a while and then came back to Dallas. Mm-hmm. And uh, Henry Morris the Third was a good friend. Um, but it's kind of interesting. Um, Henry Morris, uh, the originator of this, was uh, was into hydraulics, right. um, and so the flood to him and, and the the power of water um, and the um, catastrophic kind of layering of the mm-hmm. strata and all the different things fascinated him. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things um, that he looked at right was just um, you know the the fossils and how they're organized, um, and so it's kind of a, a, an area of expertise that you have mm-hmm. as well as looking at fossils and dinosaurs and mm-hmm. kind of looking back at things and learning what we can learn from those things. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the questions I want to ask is, uh, Henry Morris passed away in 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he were alive today, what, what do you think the big things that have happened in the recent years, would he go, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like that's a new, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that I hadn't thought of or considered, um, just kind of what, what's since, since 2006 until now, mm-hmm. what are the big discoveries that you guys have come up with? Well, I think we've confirmed a little bit more that there was a rapid plate movement, which we call catastrophic plate tectonics. And he never really discussed it in the book. His original books, most of them were written before even the popular or the conventional plate tectonics came out. And then John Baumgartner in the late 90s and into the 2000s, right about the time just before he passed away, he was really showing that there's this evidence, you know, mathematically in his computer models that the plates moved really quickly during the flood year. And today they're moving very, very slow because they've used up all their original crust. And there's a long story to that. But that, uh, you know, people say, well, he never believed that. Well, his son did. John Morris did. And he bought into that. He realized that was probably the mechanism of the flood that really caused the flooding by pushing up the seafloor, making new seafloor real rapidly. During the flood year, it was hot and buoyant, and it pushed up the seafloor from the bottom. Yeah. And that actually caused the waves to go higher and higher and higher and go over the top. Well, interestingly enough, he did mention, mm-hmm. because he said mm-hmm. one of the things in this book is during the flood, mm-hmm. right, it rained mm-hmm. for, um, 
I can't remember how many days it's at 150 something days that it that rained. Um, but he's like, it, that wouldn't have been enough, enough water right. to flood the entire earth. And so mm-hmm. the Bible speaks of water coming mm-hmm. up from the ground, right. Mm-hmm. And down from the air. Right. So kind mm-hmm. of an interesting thing, you know, it's, it's kind of a combination. I think a lot of it was from the ocean itself. You know, there was obviously the fountains of the deep bursting and, and whatever rain that was contributed from that, maybe water shooting up and causing rain, maybe condensing the, in the clouds. But that wouldn't have been enough alone. I think a lot of it was the ocean. The pre-flood ocean was kind of pushed upward. And that's why we see so many marine animals pushed onto the land. You know, we see mosasaurs and sharks all the way into Montana and Kansas and places. That all over the world, you see all these you know, mixing of land and marine. And Henry Morris was right in a lot of ways. But it was some of the details, I think, that we've, with technology, we found out more and more. One thing we found in the 2000s is we've, which kind of confirms this rapid plate movement, is we shoot seismic tomography across these ocean trenches. And they, everywhere they look, they can see these cold slabs you know, the, from the ocean crust, the lithosphere really, which is about 100 kilometers thick or 60 miles thick, going down into the mantle. And they go, some of these go all the way down to the bottom of the mantle to the core, and they're still cold. And so John Baumgartner correctly pointed out, and, and others, that the reason they're the same density, which implies the same temperature all the way down, is because they went down there so quickly. Mm. And they haven't, haven't had time to assimilate to the temperatures that they should be. Uh, if they moved down over millions of years, they wouldn't still be cold. So that's one of the interesting things um, that Henry Morris mm-hmm. looked at, right, was mm-hmm. um, that evolution mm-hmm. over millions and millions and millions of years um, has to have a uniformitarianism, right? That, right? that things are basically the same, mm-hmm. um, consistent over millions mm-hmm. of years. That gives time for evolution to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that he pointed out and that ICR continues mm-hmm. to look at is that the flood mm-hmm. really is that um, biblical event, mm-hmm. that historical event um, that really kind of, you know, puts a hole in the whole idea that everything has been the same mm-hmm. uh, from the beginning of time until now, that there's something mm-hmm. that happened uh, in a very catastrophic, a very mm-hmm. dramatic way that really changed the, the, the timeline. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that you guys are pointing out and looking at mm-hmm. is, right, if there were a universal flood, mm-hmm. what would the evidence be of that? And so here, here's a question for you. Okay. Um, do you believe in a universal flood because the Bible teaches it or because science confirms it? Well, number one, the Bible teaches it. Mm-hmm. And you know, it says in Second Peter 3 that people are going to deny that there was a global flood. Right. And, and, so, and that's what people do. They try to make it a local flood. They try to minimize the flood uh, to try to push it out of the way because they want to believe everything's always been the same. The right. uniformitarianism you talked about. Yes. But they deliberately forget, as it says in Second Peter, that there was this major worldwide world-changing event. And what we expect to see is you know, thousands and thousands of feet of sediment filled with fossils. And that's exactly what we see all over the world. The thing I've been doing the last 10 years since I joined ICR is I've been mapping out oil well data, cores, et cetera, whatever you call it, logs, all over the world. and measured sections all over the world from continent to continent to continent. And I've done six continents now, just completed in Australia, and we're seeing the same pattern on every continent of a gradual progressive flood. That's another thing Henry Morris never really knew until we started putting basically you know, pencils on the paper, plotting up this data for the last 10 years. And we're seeing every continent was kind of flooded gradually. So there was almost chapters to the flood, which we call mega sequences. But, mm. but the, the conventional geologists believe six floods. They just don't think it flooded everything right away. They see the evidence. But they don't have the story quite right either. What the evidence shows is a progressive flood. And that's something I think Henry Morris would have been excited about to see that, you know, his idea of the flood, how it kind of plays out. And that makes sense if you go back to the idea of catastrophic plate tectonics. If you make a new seafloor and that's pushing the water up, 
you're going to see a progressive flooding of the land, and that's exactly what we see. And it isn't so much that he thought maybe the hydraulics was sorting the fossils. It isn't so much that. It's really sorted almost by environment as you start to flood these areas that were probably shallow seas originally, like the Midwest is all covered with marine fossils. Uh, And you can actually plot up where the rocks cover first on each continent. And you can kind of see what was probably a pre-flood shallow sea. And then you can see as it went higher, you get to the swampy areas and the coastal areas. And then you hit the dinosaurs. And you wipe out these entire environments. These entire ecosystems were destroyed. And so the progressive flood also explains the fossil record because it explains the progressive inundation of these different ecosystems as you go along. And when you look at it from that global view, and you see the rocks that really support it, it's really hard to not see a global flood. I mean, every continent does the same thing, essentially, at the same patterns and reaches the same peak. The maximum coverage is all in the fifth mega sequences, basically around the end of the Cretaceous, what they call it, you know, the Cretaceous system. or mm-hmm. People like to call it a period, like it's a period of time, like it really existed, but it really is just a level in the flood. So all these names are really just markers we can use by finding the same sort of fossils on different continents that you can actually track the progression of the flood. Right. So, and to me, so, I think it's very, very powerful because it really shows that there was this rise in the water, just like Genesis 7 describes. And then you see the receding phase, and most of it goes offshore, and there's huge deposits offshore now that they're drilling into that we're able to put that data into our database as well. Yeah, because the periods that you were talking mm-hmm. about are those times or mm-hmm. those levels of the flood, right? right. We date strata and mm-hmm. rock based mm-hmm. on the fossils that we find. Right. And so wherever the fossils are, mm-hmm. Right. Whenever you know we believe those fossils to have existed, we right. go back and right. we, we date those as opposed to understanding that right, they were laid down systematically. Right. We think, right, well, you know, mm-hmm. these are you know six million, these are six billion, mm-hmm. these are right, and so we date that strata based on the fossils that we find. Right. It's, it's somewhat, yeah, right. They assume the same fossils are the same approximate age, and that's probably about true even in the flood, because as I mentioned, it appears that you were flooding different environments, and as the water went up universally, like sea level would do you're going to be flooding the similar environments at different elevations that apparently mm. God made in the pre-flood world. Uh, he had things very ordered by elevation. Uh, that's why we see very defined ordering of the fossils, I believe, which is a little bit more information than Henry Morris knew originally because he didn't have all the data we have now. Yeah. And so it's, it's really kind of nice, but he was really right on a lot of things. Yeah. It's, you know, where he ends the flood and the beginning of the flood. Those things are still holding true. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I know you guys are doing when you walk through the mm-hmm. Discovery Center um, is you're mm-hmm. looking at some of the soft tissue that's mm-hmm. still in the dinosaur bones that mm-hmm. we're finding. Mm-hmm. Um, because apparently if, you know, if dinosaurs mm-hmm. were um, billions of years old, right, mm-hmm. there wouldn't be a lot of this uh, soft tissue that right. still exists. And you guys are kind of looking at that and mm-hmm. the evidence that we're finding in that. Tell, tell us a little bit yeah, about what yeah, that Yeah, Dr. Seems Brian to... Thomas has been kind of leading that here at ICR mm-hmm. for us, but he... He actually looks for collagen a lot, which is another you know, protein. Yeah. It's in our skin and everything. And you can see that in a lot of dinosaur bones, almost uh, not every bone, but many of the bones he, he collects and is able to get his hands on to study, he sees collagen. And there's been over 120 articles now published in the so-called secular, secular literature. These aren't, these aren't creationist publications where they're finding original proteins, blood vessels, osteocytes, which are the bone-making cells, they're finding hemoglobin and all these different proteins, which I'm being not a biologist, I can't remember all the names of them all. Uh, but they're uh, things that shouldn't exist right. that, to be that old. They can't survive They could that exist long. for thousands of years, right. but they wouldn't be here for millions right. of years. And so every, and every if they're study, still here. Right. Every study ever done, empirical studies mm-hmm. show these things decay away too quickly. And they're finding even snippets of DNA and things. If, if what amazes me, they're finding them in fossils that are like worm fossils that go back supposedly 500 million years. 
and they're still finding these original proteins. How, mm. how can that be? How can that be? Yeah, so maybe the timeline's wrong. So, yeah, it shows <laughs> that the flood was recent. It was only thousands of years ago. Just like those cold slabs that are still down deep in the earth all the way to the core, that shows you had real rapid movement. And all these things happened just thousands of years ago. So yeah. the Bible is being confirmed. Uh, when I first started my research, I said, almost, you know, I know there was a flood. Kind of get back to your original question. I know there was a flood because the Bible tells me. I certainly hope the geology shows it. And so I started applying up data across North America. And I started seeing patterns. Mm. And then I went to Africa, and then I did South America. And then after those three continents, uh, Henry Morris III said, write a book. Tell us what you're finding. So I, I wrote a book, which is called Carved in Stone, which we sell here in the Discovery Center. But it's, it's, it shows all those patterns. I mean, geology, a lot of geology is recognizing patterns. And the rocks really do show there was a progressive flood. And since, I've, since then, I finished three more continents, and they show the same pattern. You see very little flooding early. Very, you know, different type of rocks. Uh, mostly mer- filled with marine fossils. You work your way up. You get more land animals mixed with marine. And you, you can really see the environments. Those extinctions the evolutionists talk about, those are just kind of where you wiped out an entire ecosystem. So, of course, things are going to disappear in the rocks. But a lot of those animals are still alive today. Yeah. You know, we still see animals that are supposed to be, you know, it was back to the Cambrian, what they call 500 and some million years old in their worldview. And they're still... Like the horseshoe crab, they're still swimming around in the oceans today. And so if evolution is really true, why didn't these things evolve? And we can go, you know, there's example after example of those things that my predecessors, Dwayne Gish and Henry Morris pointed out for years. And those are all still valid arguments. Yeah, very interesting. One of the other things you said you were working on is um, the question about feathered Mm -hmm. dinosaurs. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, there's, there's kind of a big debate about that. The evolutionary community has been pushing the idea that dinosaurs are birds, and (laughs) birds are dinosaurs, and really there's no difference. They're, they kind of blur in the definitions. So I've been working on a book trying to go back and look at some of these questions. I taught a dinosaur class for many years at a public school, and uh, I always tell people I know enough about dinosaurs to be dangerous, but there's a lot of things that are being pushed even by some creation paleontologists saying that dinosaurs had feathers, and, you know, why couldn't God have made dinosaurs with feathers? And through the definition of what a bird is, you know, most of the bird ornithology books and textbooks have all said that if it has feathers, essentially it's a bird. Okay. And that's what defines what a bird is, okay. then, along with other things. But they're trying to blur that definition just like the world today is trying to blur a lot of definitions, you know, what's a male, what's female, et cetera. Uh, to the point where we have Supreme Court justices that don't know males from females, at least under oath. And it's, you know, it's, it's that sort of idea. You know, they're blurring the definitions so that dinosaurs now include birds. And they're seeing some of these, what we believe at ICR and some of the other ministries believe, are feathered you know, birds with tails, like Archaeopteryx and Microraptor. They have really good feathers, but they're not dinosaurs. They're, they're calling them something that they're not. If you look at the back legs, particularly how they walk, Birds and dinosaurs walk completely differently. The femurs of most birds are kind of don't move much. They kind of stay up against their body, and they have special structures in their hips. And these particular extinct birds have very similar to modern birds in some ways, but they're different in some ways too because they balance a little differently with a little bony tail. But it's a thin bony tail. Unlike dinosaurs, they have thick bony tails to hold a lot of muscle mass. They just had a little bit. Uh, so there, there's some major differences that are being overlooked. And unfortunately, because the evolutionists are pushing dinosaurs were warm-blooded, dinosaurs had feathers, you know, there's some people out there in the creation community that will agree with them on that, and they don't have a problem with it. Which, but to me, the evidence still isn't there. So why are you making these? You know, there's a reason they're trying to make them warm-blooded. 
because birds are warm-blooded. There's a reason they're putting feathers on them, because they're trying to make them evolve into birds in their worldview, if you're an evolutionist. And so you're trying to make a connection that really doesn't mm, exist. Right, and, and I think some people have, are, are kind of falling for that connection, mm. which I don't know if they should, because the evidence really isn't there that they're warm-blooded. The evidence isn't really there that they had feathers. I think today almost everything that has feathers is a bird. It's, and there's, there's a lot of other experts. There's even a bird expert, uh, Ellen Fiducia, who is an evolutionist, and he's one of the few people that knows birds, and he's written several books and articles, published things, and he's shown that you know, these are really just birds. They're not feathered dinosaurs at all. And so he has a different view of where dinosaurs, in his worldview, where they came from, but it, he says it's not, birds are not the thing. Birds, dinosaurs are really not as closely related as they're made out to be. Yeah. But he gets ignored. He gets frustrated because he's shunned kind of like a creationist. You know, he gets sidelined and everybody ignores him and, and it's uh, you know he's feeling some of our pain that we get ignored all the time yeah. too when we're right but i think the evidence you know the evidence is still out there there's i just don't see the evidence to show that dinosaurs ever had feathers and i'm not convinced that dinosaurs were warm-blooded either there's a lot of evidence to the contrary so i think they're just active reptiles most of them have scaly skin we've got thousands of skin imprints even t-rex they found a few years ago without a doubt has scaly skin and T-Rex is supposed to have, you know, you see a lot of pictures today on the Internet and with feathers. But even the evolutionary scientists had to reluctantly admit that, well, T-Rex didn't have feathers, but all the other theropods did, all the other meteors did. Uh, but, you know, more and more I think we're going to find that science is wrong yep. in this situation. So from a biblical perspective, right, mm-hmm. the idea is that God created each according mm-hmm. to its kind. Right. Right. So you want to keep mm-hmm. right, animals in their strata right. and mm-hmm. evolution wants mm-hmm. to kind of take one and, and evolve it mm-hmm. into other things. Right. So if it, they can it, find a crossbreed of something. Right, and, you know, God could have made feathered dinosaurs, but I just don't see the evidence that in their fossils that, that that's the case. Right. And, but so it appears that he did make the birds on day five of Creation Week, and he made the dinosaurs which walked on land on day six with all the other beasts of the, of the field, beasts of the earth. And so they would have been separate days. None would have evolved into the other. Uh, they were separate created kinds, as you mentioned. Yeah, very good. Um, what would you say to a, uh, a young uh, student as they're mm-hmm. getting ready to walk onto a college mm-hmm. campus? Mm-hmm. Um, because you can, you can grow mm-hmm. up, uh, go to a Christian school mm-hmm. like PCA that, mm-hmm. um, that uh, teaches mm-hmm. from a biblical perspective, mm-hmm. right, that mm-hmm. um, there is a young earth mm-hmm. perspective. Um, mm-hmm. They also mentioned that there's an old earth perspective. We also teach mm-hmm. the idea that there's an evolutionary perspective, mm-hmm. just so our, our students understand that there's different ways mm-hmm. of viewing these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I think... You know, when you walk onto a college mm-hmm. campus, you're not going to, um, especially a, a state mm-hmm. school, right? Mm-hmm. A college. Well, even uh, at Christian schools, we, we were talking about before. Even at Christian schools, guys like Baylor and yeah. TCU. You now we just talked to a guy last week, and he said he was a creationist going in, taking classes. In the very first biology class he took, they said, "We're going to push all that stuff in the Bible out the door." Okay, you so know? even even younger, older, if you're a creationist at mm-hmm. all, is going to push out the door. Well. Yeah, young Earth especially. Okay. You know, and, and also that, you know, if there was a God, that God used evolution to, to do what he did, but they don't even talk about that. They just teach pretty much what you get at any other public college around the country, which is unfortunate. You know, it's, here you are at a Christian school or what was a, you know, strict Christian school. I'm sure yep. taught young Earth because the Bible teaches, but they've gone away from it because they think science figured, has got it all figured out, that the Earth is billions of years old, the dinosaurs are millions of years old. But as we talked about earlier, there's evidence to show that they're not. And there's lots of, you know, issues with the age dating, and that's another whole podcast we could do. Uh, but that's all based on assumptions. We can't go back in time and see if they're right. 
Yeah, I always used to say, yeah. get in your time machine, go back 66 million years, and you'll, there's nothing there. Yeah. You know, God hadn't created the world yet. God's still there, but he wouldn't have the earth. And so, you, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of a false age dating where we think about all these millions and billions of years. But I think they jumped to millions even before they could date things. Back in the early 19th century, late, late 18th century, they were already jumping to millions because it's almost like monopoly money. Nobody can fathom a million years. You can imagine a thousand or ten thousand, maybe a hundred thousand. But once you jump to a million, it's like all of a sudden it's just right. It doesn't matter after that point. It's like play money. And and so they just say these things and they act like there was this period of time called the Cretaceous. There was this period of time that was the Cambrian. But those are just rock layers buried in the flood. Right. And just different fossils because different environments as they went along. Right. And we, so, and we, I don't know if I answered your question. Well, no, but right. we, and, we, and we have to give them those dates mm. because right. it has, it, it, eventually right. it has to add up to yeah. right, 60 mm. billion. But, right? but, so each one of them has to be so long, otherwise it mm. doesn't make any sense. But, but when you go to college, I, and I've seen it happen to, on both ways, when you go, if you're a young earth creationist, I, I don't know how much you're taught, there's a lot more evidence that you might have to take with you, like some of Henry Morris's books and mm-hmm. some of the books that we put out right. that shows recent you know, evidence that you're not going to hear about anywhere else. Maybe in your Christian school you heard about it, but there's a whole lot more you might not have heard about. You need to take that with you, I think, to school because you're going to be bombarded with the old earth view, and it's, and it's so tempting. I mean, all of us at ICR, every one of us that are science staff, we all went to get our PhDs at public schools. We all heard the evolution. We all heard the millions of years and the billions of years. And it's, it's, you know, it's almost so easy just to slip into it and they right. just to accept it. And I've had a student who was... Uh, well, a student I know, I think he's probably done now, but he was a young earth creationist. He used to come to the conferences when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. He wrote books, and then he went off to college to become a geologist, and he's now old earth. He just bought into the, the timeline. He, you know, It's so convincing, so you've got to really be prepared. Yeah. You've got to talk to scientists. You know, you can, some people email us once in a while. We get out and you know, we try to help students as best we can who are going into these sciences where they're going to hear it so much. In biology, they're going to hear evolution, evolution, evolution from day one. Uh, you can do it. And, like, we've all done it. But it's, it's, it's a little difficult if you don't have some help. And so we recommend, you know, keeping, t- keeping the, on your mailing list with ICR mm-hmm. or, you know, any of the other Christian ministries. Uh, somehow you've got to kind of keep reminding yourself that there's another story here they're not telling me. Right. There's a lot of information out there they're not telling me. Yeah. And that's why our book, Creation Basics and Beyond, is probably one of the best books that covers a little bit of everything. It's well, just a little $10 book, and you can you know, get a Kindle version of it. Uh, it really does remind students, hopefully grounds them, and reminds them that there really is another story here that I'm not being told at the school. And, and that's what you kind of need. And I also recommend kind of keeping a low profile. Don't raise questions and cause a lot of trouble. Yeah, don't be you a know. lightning rod for yeah, just, just kind of go need through, to be. Right, just go, yeah. just, you know, and that's... Evident, or that's uh, advice Dwayne Gish told me when I was mm-hmm. an undergrad, and he, he was one of the yeah. scientists who worked with Henry Morris a lot. He used to go back to Kalamazoo, where I'm from, you know, Michigan mm-hmm. area, when I was getting my degree at Western Michigan. He'd speak at his old church, which he used to work for Upjohn, which is now Pfizer, in that area. And so I'd hear him, and I got to talk to him about that. And he said, if you go to grad school especially, don't say anything. So I went out to get my master's, didn't say anything. And, you know, my advisor knew I was a creationist, but he didn't seem to care. And... Uh, but the rest of the people there pretty much didn't know. And then yeah. I, went, I worked for an oil company after that for about nine years. And once I got to know some of the guys, I talked to them about things, those guys that knew I was a good geologist or, or whatever. Yep. Uh, we would talk a little bit about you know young versus old earth. But even back then, I didn't have as much information as I do now. And there's so much more information that's come out in the last 10 years since I've been here. 
you know, the stars, the blue stars, all these things all show a young universe. It's, the universe is not billions of years old. The earth is not billions of years old. You know, the fossils, those soft tissues, they're finding dinosaurs and all these other animals. You know, that's all telling you that these things are young. You know, the evidence is there. And the rocks that I look at as I plot it up around the world shows there really was a global flood because everything, every continent does the same thing at the same time, reaches the same peak, almost every continent at the same time. I mean, how is it not global? Yeah. You know, how is this not confirming what the Bible said all along? You almost have to be stubborn and obstinate not to believe it right. if, you, if you're confronted with this evidence. And so that's what we're here for, though. We're here to show people that God's word is true and that you can believe your Bible because science confirms exactly what the Bible says. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you can believe it for salvation, you mm-hmm. can believe it for science. Amen. So we're at the Discovery Center um, here, um, mm-hmm. you know, in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's quiet mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. because um, Sundays and Mondays you all are closed. So yes. thanks for coming mm-hmm. in on a you know a oh, day no off when uh, you know this place isn't filled with a bunch of people walking around. Mm-hmm. I would recommend to our parents mm-hmm. though that you uh, that you bring your students down uh, to ICR's mm-hmm. Discovery Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, you spend some time mm-hmm. down here. You walk through. Mm-hmm. You've got a planetarium, which is mm-hmm. a, a, amazing. Um, I always think of uh, Rebel Without a Cause. When I think of the planetarium. I don't know if you're a big uh, Rebel Without a Cause movie, you know, buff. I've seen, it, I've seen it once. They, well, they have a scene mm-hmm. um, where, you know, James Dean's mm-hmm. in it, and um, basically the guy goes through this evolutionary concept of mm-hmm. space and time. Okay. Um, and at the end of the movie, right, he mm-hmm. tells the students mm-hmm. um, that, you know, basically uh, this all came from nothing. It's going to mm-hmm. end in nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, the earth is going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. You're going to go away, and, there, and there's nothing here. And then, mm-hmm. and then the individuals themselves mm-hmm. – live out so that's the first scene in the yeah. movie mm-hmm. the individuals themselves live out that reality mm-hmm. to the point where right one, and this mm-hmm. is not you know you know kind of ruining the movie well, it's, it's okay. from the 1960s right <laughs> if you never watched it right. plug your ears plug your, well the, but there's a student who ends up taking his own mm-hmm. life because mm-hmm. there's no meaning there's no right. purposes no existence mm-hmm. right and i think that's what you get mm-hmm. from evolution exactly. right you came from nothing right, right. you're going to nothing mm-hmm. somehow your life has meaning and significance mm-hmm. in between and the reality is, is it doesn't Right? right, evolution doesn't give you that option. Mm-hmm. Right, where mm-hmm. creation has a design, a mm-hmm. creator, a designer, mm-hmm. and it has mm-hmm. purpose and it has meaning outside mm-hmm. of you, which then gives meaning and purpose to mm-hmm. you as well. Mm-hmm. And so, those are two very, mm-hmm. very different worldviews, very different mm-hmm. concepts. And I think the science, mm-hmm. right, will support one or other right. of those things. Well, even yeah, even our biology here, uh, you know, working on the, the iconic Cape blind cave fish, we're trying to look at research into that, and see, and we're finding that these. Uh, when they lose their color, when they go in the caves, all that stuff happens quickly. They mm. can gain the color back quickly, too. So we put them in the light, and you know, we're still working on trying to get the eyes back. But we're, uh, we're actually one of the few places to try to do real empirical you experimentation. you have the fish here. That. Yeah, we have the fish here. Yeah, when you walk our, through the back, you can, mm-hmm. you can see some of the work so, that you guys are doing mm-hmm. currently. So, uh, parents, I can't mm-hmm. recommend this strongly enough mm-hmm. that you come down to ICR, mm-hmm. um, obviously mm-hmm. not on a Sunday or Monday, because right. uh, <laughs> we'd be the only people here on Monday. Spend some time mm-hmm. here, but then icr.org, right, is yep. your website. Yes, it's got tons of different uh, materials, mm-hmm. uh, articles, mm-hmm. research for you guys. You can connect with mm-hmm. you and some of the other mm-hmm. scientists, mm-hmm. And, right, see some of the things that you guys are doing, uh, get some of the books, mm-hmm. because when you walk mm-hmm. onto that college campus, mm-hmm. you're not going to be supported mm-hmm. um, by those particular individuals mm-hmm. unless you're at a school that really teaches from right. a biblical perspective. And, and there's a few that do. There's a few Christian schools that still teach a young earth. Uh, but, uh, yeah, most times you're going to go somewhere where you're not. You're, gonna, you're not going to have that support system, but you can take some of that information with you on your Kindle or you can, you can you know, buy the yep. physical textbook. Yep. Or, you know, you can talk to and, us. You can contact us yeah. and send through and our, I like the, I like the wisdom you gave, right? You don't have to be a lightning mm-hmm. rod for controversy. Mm-hmm. When, when Jesus right. sent out the disciples, he said, be as wise as serpents. Mm-hmm. 
and as innocent as doves. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes mm-hmm. our kids mm-hmm. need to have a little bit of street smarts right. and try to figure things out mm-hmm. uh, and how they're navigating the world around them. So mm-hmm. that's that's great wisdom that's and advice. So um, I appreciate mm-hmm. the time. I appreciate sure. your work um, and uh, the neat things that you're mm-hmm. um, you know researching and looking at. Um, I think uh, the flood uh, is such an amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you said, right, you were you were quoting mm-hmm. out of you know Second Peter. Mm-hmm. In terms of um, the reality of the flood, which is way back in Genesis, right. and you know, and so for Peter to use the mm-hmm. flood as evidence that mm-hmm. hey, not everything is the same. Mm-hmm. Do you remember mm-hmm. that time when mm-hmm. God intervened, brought in a flood, mm-hmm. and you're like, wait a second, mm-hmm. right? For Peter to reference mm-hmm. the flood back in Genesis, I think it's a mm-hmm. reminder to us to say, hey, we need to know about it. Mm-hmm. We need to know about the importance of mm-hmm. the flood and what it means and what it did, and how dramatic mm-hmm. of an event that is. And so mm-hmm. I appreciate. Well, yeah, it kind of, in summary, people ask me all the time, where's the evidence for the flood? And I say, just look down. Most times you're standing on thousands and thousands of feet of sedimentary rock filled with marine fossils and land fossils all mixed together. It's right there below our feet. Yeah. And so if you just you know, La- look around. At, layered at, quickly, mm-hmm. right, so that all these, different, all these different animals get mm-hmm. trapped into it. In fact, you were right. just talking about some of the, the recent, recent uh, mm-hmm. neat discoveries of, mm-hmm. you know, you've got some dinosaurs, some animals that are, right. that are trapped, right, you know, mm-hmm. as they're wrestling together mm-hmm. or whatever. So it was a very quick, mm-hmm. you know, kind of death and demise. But we have that, you know, the fossil record that right. God has allowed us to have mm-hmm. that we can mm-hmm. look back and say, hey, mm-hmm. well, how, how did this particular event mm-hmm. happen? These mm-hmm. things aren't here for millions and billions right. of years. This is a very quick layering mm-hmm. uh, as we went through, and the fossils are our record of that. Yeah, but it's, it's, like it's like it also said in the New Testament, it's a spiritual warfare. You know, evolution is, you know, it's, it's to put it bluntly, it's, it's satanic. Yeah. You know, it's a deceit. It's to deceive people to believe they don't need a God. It's to deceive people to think the universe can create itself from nothing. And like you said, ultimately it will turn into nothing. You know, that's kind of the idea that he's feeding and feeding and feeding. Yep. And, it's, and it's unfortunate because people do buy into that because it sounds like, well, this is what science says. But hopefully with COVID-19, you realize that science doesn't really know what they're saying. A lot of science is political. And this is a spiritual battle. This is, this is really between, you know, is there a God or not? Yeah. And it's that basic. Yeah. And without evolution, with, you know, the evolutionary story, they pushed God out of this. You know, that, was, that was their purpose, to push the writings of Moses out of science. They actually have written about that in the 19th century. And so that kind of the deep time came along, and then all of a sudden, Darwin is able to use deep time to say, well, we're seeing these little changes on my finches and this and that. Yep. Maybe if enough time, those things could happen. So and you really need the, the two pillars. Maybe, you need deep right. time and Maybe evolution. if there's enough time. Yeah. Maybe right. if there's and enough time. And even then, we don't believe that, that would ever happen. Yeah. And we're finding that even those finches, they're, they're not just random mutations. Those are programmed. You know, everything pre-programmed. For that particular environment. Our creator, Jesus, yep. he created all these animals with these pre-programmed things, just like the blind cavefish. Every animal that goes into the cave, they all lose their color. They all go blind. Why do all these different animals do the same thing? Because it's pre-programmed inside. And so we're trying to show that we can reverse that program. Maybe. Maybe some of these things are reversible. And so we're really doing some exciting stuff, big picture stuff, to really show that God's word is true. Yeah. Well, you're doing a great job. I appreciate the time coming on and helping educate our parents and our families uh, about the whole uh, concept of where uh, I can hold on to my faith that mm-hmm. uh, the Bible is true and uh, that science uh, actually supports that. So mm-hmm. great, great opportunity. And ultimately, we want everybody, you know, point everything to Jesus. He yeah. was here, the creator. He was the judge. And the first flood, you know, the, the judge, the flood was a judgment for human wickedness. And then he, he's going to be, he also came to earth as our savior, you know, and came, took on human form, ultimately offering salvation for all of us. Yep. The original rainbow. Mm-hmm. 
right? No more judgment. Uh, That's correct. That'll Mm -hmm. be the judgment he puts on his son, and he did. Mm -hmm. So, Tim, thank you for your time. Thanks for your work at ICR. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming out here. You bet. Thank you for investing the time to listen to this episode of The Journey. Please take a minute to share with friends and family who will also benefit from this valuable resource. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast app. It is truly our blessing and honor to walk with you on The Journey.